Hello and welcome to another great episode of the On The Radar Podcast. This is the podcast that features music and artists coming to, through, and from the greater Northwest Ohio region. My name is Peapod. My producer, as always, is Pat Sheckett. I said it right this time. I did, Pat. Did I? Did I do it right? Yeah. I've been pronouncing his his last name wrong for four episodes. It's fucking terrible. Anyway, enough on the name jokes and everything. Welcome to another great episode of the On The Radar Podcast. We are actually in the brand new location for Underhill Recordings. Uh, It's been a little hectic between myself and Pat, both moving into new locations. But we're here again. Hopefully things are going well. Very excited. Very interested in this band out of Monroe, Michigan. Signed to Spartan Records. They are the four-piece instrumental band known as Man Mountain Gentlemen. Good morning. How are things? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for uh, for uh, trudging down from Monroe, Michigan, and uh, in the in the rain and the slop. And uh, glad to see you guys here. Uh, the day of the recording, actually, they have a show earlier uh, later in the night. So it's very excited uh, that you guys can we we can all schedule this one. You guys are in town, uh, even though Monroe and Toledo is not that too far away it's kind of two different worlds when it comes to music i mean our friends and previous guests and outside uh we talked about a little bit about how how the music is a little different but from your guys's point of view before we dive into you guys how is music in monroe uh relative to some of the other places like detroit like you guys are in the middle between like detroit and toledo so what's a little bit of like is there like a cultural difference is there like a music difference between the area or is it just kind of one you know we're in all in the same basket well i think currently there's not there's not a lot of music specifically in monroe i think we used to like i mean when i was a lot younger monroe used to be kind of associated with like the downriver music scene uh so like taylor and that sort of area okay um we used to do shows at like saint mary's park and uh, a lot of Monroe bands would go up and play at um, oh, it was the Modern Exchange. Um, but Monroe is so close to Toledo that a lot of Monroe bands kind of call Toledo like their music home. And then same with Detroit now. Um, like our last band, we were from Monroe or like Dundee, and we'd come down and play Toledo all the time. So it's sort of like our music home. And then uh, for this band, Detroit, has been a little bit more so. But it's we're in between both, so it... Uh, kind of goes both ways there i guess it's that's kinda, what i was wondering yeah, it's kind of crazy because like monroe used to be a pretty prominent music scene like i mean uh we used to have like shows we had like this cafe this coffee house called cafe classics you know mm-hmm. and the band daniel would go there and play you know that's a little bit heavier of a band yeah. you know and uh there, there was live music there almost every single night and under uh, this that, house yeah under this house would play uh, i played there a couple times um you know and so now it's kind of died down a little bit we had this like music store flashback guitars so people would go there and take lessons and, you know, so the music scene was pretty, pr- you know, prominent, but like it's kind of died down a little bit and yeah. we've kind of just associated ourselves with Detroit post-rock because we primarily play in Detroit, you know, so. Right on, right on. Let's take a moment and let's introduce everybody in the band. Cool. Uh, so I'm Mike Rion. I play guitar. Uh, my name is Jacob Goins. I play drums. Uh, David Rion. play bass. Uh, Brian Cowles. And I also play guitar. All right. So four piece instrumental mountain man mountain first off i almost said mountain not man. to be that's, associated that's, with the all-girl folk band right. mountain man. Yeah. Is, is there an, is, is that serious yeah. Oh, really yeah. yeah wow we get that a lot really um, not remotely the same but yeah <laughs> yeah have you thought about a yeah. tour just make it make it a little weird man mountain and mountain man yeah that would be man mountain, mountain man tour i mean i'd be okay with that I don't we, know should, we should see if they want to do a line of beauty products so we can partner with our man mountain beard oil yeah we're doing oh, yeah, yeah. yeah do a do a little thing I don't know how much they're doing now, but I, a couple years ago, it seemed like pretty frequently we would get people like us on Facebook oh, and yeah. comment, and it's like, just saw you ladies on the Prairie Home Companion, and we're like, awesome, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I recently, I recently got confused with a YouTube rap series from down south. And we got tagged into Twitter. So, uh, and then I, 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 because I, I, obviously I run my uh, on the radar podcast. So I was just like, hey, we didn't do this interview, but I'm glad it went well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hope, hope as well. So it, it kind of scared me for a moment. I'm like, are people going to get confused between us and the rap show? But they're mostly on YouTube and we're a podcast uh, with more of you know, rock-esque band. So I, I think we'll be all right. Name confusion. I mean, nobody, there's not an original name anymore unfortunately yeah. that's how we ended with 
Man Mountain. Yeah, we, were, we went joke. through. Yeah, we went through probably I don't know at least a hundred different names, things we thought sounded cool, and then you look it up and it's already a band name, and oh. you just it's, yeah, it's either already a band name or like you you try and think about like if that was your band name, and after like a week or two, you're like, no, that's like way too serious. David <laughs> wanted like, us to name the band Trophy Wives. Which was another band. That was another band. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I, I feel like I've heard of that band before. Yeah. Yep. They think they were starting up about the same time. Oh, okay. They had, like, kind of had a little bit of a thing going already. We're like, nope, that's a thing. Yeah. It also I, sounds very, like, pop punk. Well, yeah. when you when you play music, you know, associated with, with our genre, I think you it's important to not take things overly serious all of the time. And so Man Mountain yeah. was kind of like, it fit, but it was, like, just goofy enough that it was memorable. And, you know, I, I hated it. You did hate it. I hated it. <laughs> because I hated it so much, Mike thought it was necessary to, okay, that's the band name now, just because you hate it so much. <laughs> okay, that wasn't totally true, but it was kind of funny. Semi-true. <laughs> well, the, the first show that we played, we actually like had not settled on a band name yet, and we our, our friend Chris kind of set the whole thing up, and he's like, hey, I got this basement show, I'm going to put you guys on it, do you guys have a band name yet? And I'm like, no, but I'll, we'll figure one out before the show. We had like you know two months or something like that. And we never settled on anything, and so we played our first show with no band name, and we were just like, hey guys, we don't have a band name, here's three songs. <laughs> and we played it, and everyone was like, that was amazing, what was your band name again? I'm like, oh, we don't have one. The, be- the best part was, they didn't. They couldn't put like band with no name on the flyer, so right. somebody made up a name for us, it was, and it was what, Big Hole? Big Hole. <laughs> big Hole was the name on the flyer for, and, for our set. Then, yeah, and there was like a little asterisk or parenthesis or something that said, not the actual band name. Oh my god. Yeah. So for a brief bit of time, people thought we were called Big Hole. Yeah. Or name it oh. Just the Tip. Was that ever an option? No. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> I would say I call that. yourself To Be Determined. Yeah, yeah. TBD. Yeah. Was that Arrested Development joke? They were raising money for TBD. and Rack. Oh, was it that? Yeah. Raising money for TBD? Yeah. They thought it was a disease. or It yeah. sounded like a disease. The, the charity was to be determined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. I love that. I love that episode. So, Man Mountain, 20, uh, 2012, correct? Roughly around the time that you guys started? Tell us a little bit about how how this band, the, the infamous question, how did this band come together? Um... We kind of formed in the wake of a, a different band Mike and I were playing and that played in the Toledo scene a lot uh, called Words After. And when we parted ways with them, we wanted to keep finding new ways to, to make music. And I don't think we had any intention of doing what we were doing at all. Um, yeah. At the time, we just kind of, you know, just started jamming stuff. And Jake was around and I think had just started dating our sister at the time and um, just came over and started jamming drums with us. And everything just kind of flowed together and man of science, man of faith ended up being the first song that we wrote together. Um, and I think at the time, I don't think any of us had any idea that it would take off or have any following. We just kind of did what we, you know, the songs that were in us so that we felt, you know, compelled to, to write and started playing shows with it. And we're, you know, really pleased with the response for it. Yeah, it's um, kind of an organic process because, uh, I, was dating their sister Kelly and then who's my wife now and um, I they had just broken up with their band and I you know would say that I'm a musician and obviously the the general response for a musician is to say okay yeah you probably play an instrument but probably not very well and so I brought my drum kit over <laughs> I brought my drum kit over and we just started playing Appleseed cast covers American football covers and uh, mm-hmm. some mock orange and you know, and uh, David seemed to be pretty apprehensive at first because he thought oh, I was. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the pool of quality musicians in Monroe is yeah. slim to none. Right. So the you know the odds of finding a decent drummer in Monroe was you know I thought pretty impossible. Or um, in general, I feel like there's yeah. a lot like yeah. it's the drummer that is always like the the hardest and the last piece to get and the first yeah. person to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it seems like every drummer is playing in like multiple bands. Yeah, because there's just such a shortage of drummers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, and then we just we him and I jammed probably for a couple months, and then he just started coming down. Like he would like do his laundry downstairs, and then while we were playing music, and then just go back upstairs, and then <laughs> finally he just came down and started playing bass, and then it was just like an organic process. I think you tried to sing a couple times, didn't you? Like when we were playing Jimmy at World covers. Oh yeah, well we didn't have a PA, so I had like another guitar amp that we ran vocals through. Yeah, and I'm like I don't. Yeah, that's is, not gonna work. I'm like this is uncomfortable for me, so I'd like run my microphone through like a bunch of like delay and reverb like guitar pedals like maybe we'll make it like you know like almost another instrument and then we um 
we really needed to get a PA and we just didn't and I'm like terrible with trying to write any sort of lyrics. So we just kind of focused more on the the instrumental side of it and I guess we thought like, oh, maybe we'll just we'll circle back. Yeah, and I played in an thing. instrumental band before and that was just something that was just so like organic for me and just natural for me to, mm-hmm. to come up with drum parts. Yeah. yeah. See, that was wondering because I always wonder, like, how does the idea of going into a, a being an instrumental band is that when you uh, and when you establish a band is that what your goal is or is it something happened and then you have to end up being instrumental? Like one of the, one examples, uh, the band Night Versus recently they just came out with a whole instrumental EP and they decided their singer broke away and they're like, we're a three piece, we're just gonna go concentrate on instrumental. You know, I where did it fall did you want initially like you said uh, like you said jake that you you played an instrumental band before um but you know as mike said he was terrible at writing lyrics so did you guys uh you know dave and brian did you guys feel comfortable joining a band that was just going to end up being a whole instrumental group i don't think we had a i don't think it was ever a conscious decision i think it was just like us piecing together a band after leaving our old band and then when the songs started coming together we kind of thought you know like you know we don't want to add something that it doesn't need you know does it need that element um and i you know i i think we just arrived at the conclusion that it didn't that the songs were good on their own and so it just kind of progressed in that way so it was kind of unintentional and i think at the time we're like man nobody's going to be into this at all like we're really putting ourselves in a small musical you know minority by doing this um but i think that was what we believed the songs needed at the time so it was never intentional. It just kind of that was kind of the way it evolved. Well, and, and Brian, you were looking to play instrumental music. Yeah, it was it was easy for me because these guys were already established. Because I just joined the band like two years ago, so I had been going to their shows for a couple of years and already like was already a fan of like the genre and stuff. And they were uh, there was another band called Sunlight Ascending that was also like a post rock band that was from the Detroit area, but they were kind of uh, you know playing less shows because they were just getting busy and all that. And so Man Mountain was like the only post-rock band that was consistently playing shows. And so I'd try to go whenever you guys were up in like the Detroit area and stuff. And uh, Mike would joke about me coming and jamming to add more guitar or whatever. But I never really took him seriously because he's kind of a goofy dude. So. You, had a, you had your own project, right? Your own instrumental project. I was I was trying just because, but I never really like did anything with it. Sure. But that was like when I'm at home, it was just like a bunch of loop pedals and making like super ambient, like hammocky type sounds or whatever. And mm-hmm. then... Yeah, jamming with these guys was really easy because I just make weird noises. And that's, that's about it. <laughs> I really like the idea. I've I've getting like the the process of actually um, like the writing of like the tones and the writing of the actual music seems a little bit more prevalent. Uh, prevalent, excuse me, um, when it's an all instrumental band, obviously, because you can fully you can fully grasp the almost the. I, I picture this, and this may not be the best example. I could picture like the old like Beethoven days, where it's like a feather pen, and he's like on a piano. <laughs> oh, we have a like feather pen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's how we do it. That's how you, that's how you make. Yeah. That's how Man Mountain makes this music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. feather yeah. pens all all around. We should get some signature like Man Mountain feather pens. Like hey, <laughs> I want one. If, that, if you're gonna go with that idea, I want one. That's all. <laughs> that's all. That's my cut of the idea. No, but I I feel like it, and even just even listening as like music tastes develop, like I. I'm appreciating more the instrumental uh, side of it. When you sit down and create a song, where does it start? Well, we all have such vastly different tastes in music, which is what I think is really, really cool about in the identity of Man Mountain is because it's kind of like we're, we're putting our personality and our character within the song, and it kind of just like comes up with itself, you know? I mean, most of the time, Mike or David will have really, like, sick riff, and we'll just kind of bounce off of that, you know, or sometimes I'll just be like, Mike, come up with a guitar part for this drum beat that I'll steal from This Town Needs Guns, or, you know, um, you know, it's mostly an organic process, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just like it, but it takes us forever to finish a song, because we're just so, like, we're trying to get, like, the fine detail of it, you know, and it just... It's a really mm-hmm. long process, but like getting like the st- structural skeleton is really natural. And yeah, I think we can get a song ninety percent done in a couple weeks. But it's just like getting those last details that I think really polish it up. That seems to take hard. a long time. Yeah, I think it all. Yeah, like Jake said, it all starts with an idea or a riff or a progression or a drum beat that we really enjoy and kind of cling to, and then it builds around that. Um, 
which I like because then each song kind of has that one sort of like catchy thing that's memorable about it mm-hmm. and they were able to kind of evolve it and build on it from there it's the chorus and I put this in air quotes it's the chorus in a sense yeah uh, for so you can build off almost yeah. a little bit around that and also I, I think maybe it's a, I, either an advantage or a disadvantage uh, depending on how you look at it that with the singer you're kind of somewhat stuck in that roughly two and a half to maybe four minute you know, length of time yeah. with an instrument. I think, on average, I think some of your songs roughly round around four and a half, five minutes. If I'm yeah. kind of guesstimating between the the EP and the the full mm-hmm. length, it's around that time. Do yeah. you think is that like freedom, or is it like is it sometimes hard to kind of like rein yourself in? Well, I think it's sometimes you know when we write, we we kind of start with um, okay, what are all these parts uh, that we want to use, and we'll try and kind of arrange them in a certain order. Yeah, we, we might just uh, set up a microphone and we'll just kind of free jam it. And it, it could be as long as like 15 minutes uh, just kind of messing around with it. And then we'll kind of sit down and listen to it back and say like, okay, we don't really need to play this part like 20 times in a row. We can like kind of trim this down. Because when we're jamming it, we'll, we'll kind of explore like different variations of certain parts and then kind of try and trim it down to what it ends up being. And the old meat and potatoes. Yeah. Well, that's kind of funny. It's like, um, you know, some of our songs, it's like we're trying to get it down like shorter and shorter. And it's like, okay, well, it's six minutes now. That's, you know, a little more easily digestible. But with our EP, our short song was six minutes and the other two were like 10 minutes each. Thank you. 
Uh, Pat, you had a question, actually, you wanted to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, you kind of just answered it. I was going to ask if you guys write more in a jam space or if you guys do any work on a computer or record in a computer at all. Um, almost all of our writing is, is kind of like in jam form, whether we're jamming together or like um, you're just sitting down at our house by ourselves. Like um, a lot of times I'll come up with a cool riff just by like messing with my guitar pedals and just getting different sounds. And, you know, you get a, a new sound and it kind of inspires something and yeah, go from there. but mostly everything is done like in a in a band space, writing wise. Mm -hmm. you, you guys said like you just said you have a microphone that you'll record to like playback ideas. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a really cool way to write. Actually, because a lot of times too, like when Mike is setting up his guitar stuff, because it takes him forever to do that. You know, there's <laughs> there's kind of like a spontaneous element. Like I'll do like uh, Brian will start playing a really cool like uh, just a really ambient hammocky you know type thing, and then Dave will put a bass track on and then I'll just start playing and then finally after you know 45 minutes later when he's uh okay it's done not that setting, it's not that <laughs> <laughs> but after he's done setting up he'll just come up with this really cool lead to it and then it just leads we're, we're like playing this thing for like 25 minutes and mm -hmm. it comes into like a song I think that's how yeah. uh elimination rings yeah that is the other the other it's like one of two ways either like one of us will like bring an idea to practice or we just literally spontaneously like write a song at the beginning of practice because somebody just starts playing something random and we like all just jam along to it and then later we're like oh wow that was actually really cool let's go back and like tweak that a bit now and it's really weird how we're able to follow each other too because it's like we're making something in the moment and mm -hmm. uh, like we're able to follow each other pretty well it's kind of yeah. crazy the idea of like the jamming session of just someone just has something and everybody can build off of it. That's why I'm always in awe of musicians um, because I, I like I, I tend to be a little bit more technical thinking rather than like kind of almost artistic thinking because when I when this is coming from my 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 point of view, like when I think of, you know, like music or art or any any kind of creative outlet, it's almost like you can sense it like kind of like in my head, it's like kind of flowing everything. Well, my point of view from this side as like the listener standpoint or as also as like a radio or a podcaster, it's more like ones and zeros it's technical it's like you know i need to i i have this and i have this and like it's almost like while while musicians are very flowy i'm doing a lot of hand motions on a podcast it doesn't really make sense um i'm really flowy but like as as you know as you know going on this side um i'm more technical so i'm more straight lace straight lines and things like that so i'm always in awe to kind of understand that more flowy type of idea of just like hey i have this and then you know somebody else bounces off of that and it's like well i got this and we can connect this with this and like put all the pieces together i, f I always find it interesting that's the beauty of post-rock man because it's like ambiguous it's without definition and it's, it has like a uh, layer of like streams of consciousness where it just kind of but it, like it all makes sense at the same time you know it's still telling that story but you're able to like kind of just like veer off and like have your own experience you know um, you know, that's why I love it. And it, it's interesting that you say that, you know, you're kind of more technical because that's kind of how I am too with a lot of things. So we do apply that as well. It's just kind of for the initial writing process, it's very free form. And then we have to kind of go back later and so, like, we're going to record this. We need to figure out, you know, what key is it in, what time signature is it in, what is the tempo. And then, you know, a lot of times later we're like, oh, this song actually changes tempo drastically, like four times and we have to like count out measures and go in and program all that stuff in because when we record it we I, you know I, at least me I want it to be very like structured and um, you know sound like it's not just a jam like I want it to sound like you know we intentionally wanted everything to sound a specific way um, but it's just kind of funny that we have to like go back later and figure all that stuff out the terminology of when you say post rock when we talk about genres, people know like the big, you know, kind of the big four. And then from there, it's almost like kind of like, you know, kind of like trees and branches. It kind of branches off and everything. So when you, when you say post rock, what is, what, dumb it down for someone like me. What do you mean by post rock? Like, what is the difference between that and something like some schmuck on the radio is playing? Because Brian's probably the post-rock expert, what do you think? I told my parents it's like the spacey parts of Pink Floyd meets the heavy parts of Metallica. <laughs> wow! That actually that actually works. Uh, just to put it in terms that they understand. Of the, yeah. of the like three bands that um, 
that our dad frequently listens to. You two, I think, was the closest that he could associate to our genre of music, which I thought was very sweet of him. I love you two. I don't think we sound at all like you two. No, but um, <laughs> a lot but of it's hard delay. Yeah, so I could see that. Um, it's spacey. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Somebody else said. Uh, I think it was our buddy Justin said that we sound like uh, what it would be like to be sandwiched in between Zach Wild and Kenny G. So. Yeah. I'm trying to picture that. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it, it's it's one of those like it, so so that's the uh, kind of the idea of post rock. Because I always like like I understand it from an from just an audio standpoint. But like as trying to put once again this the art to technical aspect uh, of of explaining music. Um, trying to explain that to someone else is like, oh, they're a post-rock band instead of just saying straight up instrumental because everybody's like, what? I, I don't yeah. understand. Like, Yeah, I think it, it shares a lot in common with just you know, like indie rock or like, you know, I almost don't want to say emo because I don't mean like hot topic emo. I mean like, no. you know, late 90s, early 2000s emo. Right. It like shares a lot of similarities with that, but um, just obviously instrumental and it tends to get like more loud, I guess. That seems to be a common theme with post rock bands. It's very loud. Yeah, right. I even try to think of like the like why they can, they use the name post rock because post is after something, and so it's like mm-hmm. after rock. So is it's it like, the evolved form of rock? Yeah, is this yeah. like or what like rock will after, be like in the future? Or like the aftermath of like <laughs> that you know era, mm-hmm. and now it's more of like this like and you know like ambient type thing rather mm-hmm. than it just being like this loud structural thing. I wonder yeah. what pre rock was then. <laughs> I like. I want to kind of explore that idea, Dave. That you you said you know if rock if this is post rock, so what is post post rock? Like what's rock? What's music in the future? What do you what do you? Th- that's that's an interesting uh, standpoint. What do you think would evolve into music as music kind of changes and kind of all the genres kind of mesh together? Like what is music in the future then? Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> it's it's gonna loop back, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Actually, we are we are further in the future than they were in Back to the Future. Okay, that was 2015. Still, oh, no, right? still no hoverboards. Still no hoverboards. <laughs> no, no, no food in pill form. We do yeah. have the shoes that auto lace, though. Wait, they do that. Nike do that? has created those. Yeah, yeah. they recreated oh. the Back to the Future shoes. You, know you can order a pizza now from your shoes, allegedly. Oh, sick. really? Oh. Yeah, I think we need those shoes. Mike has a pizza shirt on right now, by the way. Yeah, actually, my no. side. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, they, they well, actually, Pizza Hut, but I think it was a special thing. Pisai doesn't sponsor us yet, but yet. they could. Winking it's, on the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. We're always, a, we're always open for, a, more, for more sponsors here. So let's talk about, uh, you have an EP uh, to call each thing by its right name. And of course, the big one that came back out in March, uh, which was Infinity Mayor, signed to Spartan Records. Tell us a little bit. Of you know you release you re-release the EP right a little bit before um, coming out with Infinity Mirror. So kind of tell us a little bit of the difference between what you did for your EP because we we briefly mentioned that it was a lot longer songs, and then kind of take us to the little timeline of when Infinity Mirror and the signing of, to Spartan Records came out. Ooh. Um, so we originally recorded the EP in was it twenty thirteen? Yep. Yeah, so we recorded the EP in uh, like uh, February, March, yeah. 2013, with our friend Matt Halliday, actually down here in Toledo. Um, it was over closer to downtown by uh, over by like Mommy Bay Brewing Company. Yeah, yeah, like a super cool loft, and we mm-hmm. recorded everything in his uh, studio there. And it was mostly live. We I think we played all of the songs live but then um we just had the guitars and bass like going di while we recorded the drums then we went back and like re-recorded the guitars and bass later and uh those three songs were just basically the first three that we had wrote and we wanted to record them and get them out there so we had some music to put online we had like a demo of lucerna which is the second song on that ep that we put up on Bandcamp for a little while but it didn't sound that great we got a couple shows booked because of it but uh, we wanted to like put some real music out, so we released that a couple months later. And then, when did we record To Me Is New? Was that 2014? I think it was about a year later. Yeah. It was yeah. June of 2014. Yeah, we recorded um, a single that, I guess the idea was that we were going to record this single, and then while that was getting worked on, we could release that and then finish recording the rest of the album. 
but that we only year. yeah. But that might have been a little overly ambitious because we only had two years later, two, 2016, we recorded it. Yeah, we had I think two more songs done and a couple others that we were sort of working on, and um, we were, I just ended up releasing the single because we were still working on the rest of the album, and we kind of went through like a lineup change. So right around the time that we recorded that, a week later we did like a weekend tour, and our original guitarist Brent was kind of at that time not stoked about doing any kind of touring type things like he he liked playing the local shows with us but even from the beginning he was kind of looking more to jam and not really um he's spending a whole lot of time away from work um trying to do like a legit sort of band thing and when we did that first weekend tour i think that was kind of when he realized like you know he didn't really like you know sleeping on other people's floors and getting home super late and having to work right you know super early the next morning and um so we kind of went through a, a, a while where we were a three-piece, and then we uh, had some different friends that we tried out. Um, actually, we mentioned uh, Sunlight Ascending earlier, yeah. um, our friends from Detroit. So like our friend Andrew played with us for a couple shows and then just got busy with other stuff. So uh, we, we spent a really long time like just trying to get back to being a four-piece. And then at the, at the point that we eventually were like, you know what, screw it, we're just going to finish this album as a three-piece and record it. Um, we kind of finished writing stuff and then that was when we started jamming with brian it's like right around the time that we had everything lined up to start recording and uh, so we recorded drums first and then brian came on board we were, ended up recording guitars and bass and then had to spend a few more months kind of going back and saying okay we have all six of these songs that are basically done but now we need to like find space in there to uh like add second guitar to all of them and we finished recording in 2017 January January yeah and then just spent most of the year um, you know being super picky about the mixing and trying to get everything sounding the way we wanted because the whole recording process for that was a little different Um, Matt was moving from his current studio to a new place and the new place didn't have really enough room so we ended up just having to find various spaces that we could use for like a weekend that would sound pretty good and Matt brought all of his stuff with him in his car and just like set up like just turned this room into a studio basically mm. um, for us to record everything we recorded a little bit in david's living room up in berkeley we yeah. did second guitars and then some other extra stuff there and uh it was right around the time that we finished uh like getting everything tracked like at everything tracked we we're starting to mix and then john from spartan records sent us an email and it was basically just like hey if you guys are you know I, i've been following you guys i know you guys are getting ready to put out a new album uh, that you've been working on for a while. If you guys are looking for any help with distribution and marketing, you know, we'd love to help you guys out, uh, or you know, at least talk about it. And um, at first, I almost like kind of skimmed through it and like didn't realize what it was because you know we get lots of emails on our band email that's like right, like the faux, like you know, you we we can help you on everything. Yeah, and I was just kind of like, uh. and then I after I read through it, I'm like, wait, this was actually like not a you know just a randomly generated email. Um, and I'm like, oh, Spartan Records. No, I know this label. Like our friends Shiloh are on this right. record label, and there's a ton of super good bands on there. And I'm kind of like, wait, why are they like, you know, why are they getting in touch with us? This is like a legit label. Yeah. <laughs> um, we ended up, you know, talking a few weeks later, and I guess the rest is history. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it came out. It, it's a phenomenal album. It came out back in March. Um, it, it's available now at Spartan Records, and of course, Man Mountain's own, uh, you know, website and social networks and everything. That's got to be very surprising and also scary that actually someone like, because you 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 hear bands shopping around for stuff and then they kind of get wherever is the best deal. But someone actually reaching out and go, "We want you guys," like that. The demand that's got to be like that's almost kind of like a band's quote-unquote dream or like a big check off like someone is headhunting you yeah Yeah, it's very humbling i mean i'm not very happy with the the sound of the ep um i uh you know there's just a lot of things you know with the ep that i was just like unhappy with and so i was a little embarrassed to just sell it you know because it sounded almost like an unfinished product to me personally you know and then for him to listen to that and still like it was shocking for me you know and for him to want to you know put us on his roster it was it was a very humbling experience you know yeah i think it's it's interesting you talk about shopping around and i think Mm -hmm. for us when mike brought up spartan and john and i you know we looked at you know john's 
work history and the you know the companies he's, he's been a very with. hard worker and what having oh, been yeah. with like tooth and nail records which i mean like growing up that was every band i listened to oh, was yeah. on that label and so that was that was kind of like the what sealed the deal for me you know um and he's just been an incredibly awesome guy to work with through the whole process so um i didn't i don't feel like we had that need to to really go shop around a ton for the album i think it was kind of an immediate like felt right sort of thing and has has been really good for us so yeah like jake was saying i think as musicians like we tend to be our sort of our biggest critics so it was kind of you know surprising as for me as well it's just like oh wow like you heard our ep like uh, like i i like the way it sounds but at the same time like i don't you know it's not something that i put out there i'm like oh yeah this is like an amazing sounding you know, to, to its credit, we recorded that in what three days? Yeah, we did that. It was in, like one weekend. We did that entire EP. Yeah, and most of us had not like recorded in a studio before, so we just kind of went in and we're like, you know, yeah. So to Matt's and I credit, think you yeah. can yeah. hear uh, a massive difference between like the writing styles and the and like the way that the, the formation of the songs from the EP to to this record. I mean, this the new record that we just put out is very very linear you know and i had a very different mindset and i tried to come up with a different approach on the drum kit than i ever did before in my life and it was a very big challenge you know mm-hmm. but I, I i i like tried to like challenge myself to like what can i do that's different than it, than it was before that can also impact the songs you know and like what fits rather than me just like playing a bunch of fills you know, actually thinking <laughs> thinking about the process and like what fits and what translates the song in its fullest potential. You know, yeah, not just going like with the first thing that comes to right, mind. Right, right, right. I was gonna make a point that like this album sounded more like it's one direction. Like it felt like it was an audio journey. Yeah.
Pat, you had, you had something else to add. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, you guys were talking about your recording process, and um, I wanted to ask how... Um, one of my favorite bands is Russian Circles, and uh, they uh, they have a very vibey sound to them, and their recordings are obviously done in kind of kind of a live jam setting, right? And uh, you can, you can see that happening for uh, post rock bands a lot, and I think for them maybe that works very well. But I wanted to ask you guys how you see um, recording music, and maybe like probably I I can imagine maybe a challenge is keeping a a vibe there when you guys record but still getting like very clear clean pristine recordings so it, uh it, it just seems interesting to me how you guys recording process would work yeah, it yeah. Is, i um i guess that did differ between the two because the the ep we did a little bit more live we we played to a click track for both because we wanted to keep the the tempo like pretty consistent um but i think when we did the ep just having like you know me and david uh, like playing along to Jake while he's playing drums, it like kind of kept the dynamics there, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we were kind of able to go back and re-record to Jake who was playing to us, and it it was able to kind of keep everything there. And I I think that's why the EP has like a little more of like a live feel to the way it sounds. And then um, more raw at least. Yeah, it does sound more raw. And then for the full length, we kind of went a different approach with that. We actually demoed all of the songs ourselves. So when Jake recorded drums, he was basically playing to like our scratch tracks, I guess, for guitar and yeah. bass. Yeah, tracking those. Yeah. And then we uh, we went back and you know added guitar later. So it, it the full length definitely has like a more produced sort of sound. It's not quite as like live feeling and vibey, but um, we do spend a lot of time trying to like practice those dynamics so that even when we're not playing it all at the same time. It, when you're recording, you can still create that that emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Each awesome. season of songs that we write for a specific record seems to change. Like, I mean, like the vibe. Well, the vibe, or even the process. Like, I mean, like now, I think we're a little bit more critical on the songwriting process. Like, we want to like be more serious about demos. We want to be able to listen to it and be objective about it and see what actually should be different where this last record we just wanted to do demos to a finished product mm -hmm. and um so i think now we're being a little bit more you know cognizant about like how we're formulating a song you know to yeah to its you know final product you know so it, like even like uh we didn't even do scratch tracks for the first record did we the EP? No. We just kind of went in there and just did it. Yeah. And then we actually did scratch tracks, but I'm like, oh, we don't need to do scratch tracks. And then going through the recording process, I was like, why didn't we do more scratch tracks? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's just a huge learning process for me as a musician, you know? Um, and, it, you know, it's just like a journey of being able to figure out yourself, you know, and figure out yourself as a musician and as a person, you know, because it's like your personality is reflected within those songs. True. Yeah. You know? And so it's... Yeah, it's a, uh, it's different. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating to 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 kind of get into the mind of 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 a band like this or any band to that that are a lot of bands. Not not, not to I don't want to. Hopefully this doesn't sound bad. Some bands are very hard to explain what they do. Like Pat and I, like we discussed this a little bit during everything. It's like I'm very interested to see like a band like this kind of like get a, understand the the thought process between like songwriting because a lot of bands may may have a hard time explaining that of what they're they're trying to achieve to someone when there's an interview or just in general trying to explain. They're just like this is music and this is like what we, this is how we felt and this is how I do it. But like putting the words to the actions is really interesting. So that's what I've, I've, I've rather enjoyed our conversation thus far uh, about it. Um, you spoke a little bit about the songwriting process. Do you have more coming up for anything new? Yes. We, yeah. So it, it's funny. The, the process of putting out Infinity Mirror took, I think, way longer than we ever anticipated it to. And I think when it came out, it was the right time. And, you know, we were able to give it the proper release it needed. Sure. But because it took so long I mean, we've had the album finished you know for how two long years. two years so we've we've written you know 
probably most of our next album already. And we, there's still a lot of work getting from that 90% to the 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've, yeah, we've already got a lot of new material we're working on. We're very excited about. 2019, we're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, so the, the goal now is, um, now that we've got everything locked into a good groove um, and we've got Brian on board and up to, you know, up to speed with everything is to, you know, kind of continue this momentum we've built thus far um, and be more productive at getting these albums out quicker now. So Yeah, and having Brian in the band has been, like, such a really awesome thing, too, because, like, the three of us have been in this thing for a long time, and then to have somebody that has a different thought on something is really refreshing, and it also is, like it's just a good thing you know because he puts a different perspective on something and when he has you know his thoughts on or input on a song it's just like we usually always go with it because it's like why didn't we think of that yeah, you know? yeah. i feel like i just make all of your guys' songs like more sad <laughs> <laughs> sad boy brand yeah it's almost it's almost kind of an advantage seeing being a brian being a fan and and watching this band develop and then jumping in and going this is what i saw from the st- from the audience point of view jumping into it i, fi- I find it's almost almost kind of an advantage that you have and you brought to the table for not being an original member yeah i, I actually the first time i jammed with them i had to apologize for being such a fanboy because i had their sticker on the back of my guitar <laughs> so it's like, yeah, don't judge me too hard that. oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> hey now now now, now it's, it's your sticker exactly yeah <laughs> i love it i love it um a couple obviously the day of this recording they have a show uh going out we're not going to touch on pond that because you're probably listening to this post this recording yeah. but coming up what are some of the things you got uh in in the works um, so our next show after this, uh, oh, and I do want to say, if you did come out to the show tonight, thank you. Yeah, uh, that was awesome of you. <laughs> if it uh, went well, yeah, yeah hopefully. Thank you. If I'm, it was horrible yeah, and you didn't make it out, then ignore that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, so yeah, uh, next show coming up after this, uh, we're playing with our friends in Ancient Language uh, for their album release at L Club in Detroit, and that's on June second. And then uh, our next one after that, we're going to be back in Toledo on July 13th with our friends and Outside and Wax. Yeah, and uh, a touring band, I'm really bad at remembering things when people tell me stuff, but uh, Outside is touring with a band from like Utah or Nevada. Oh, it's Jimmy Eat World, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're from Arizona. Yeah, well, they're on the uh, bill. It's going to be gonna be pretty stacked. Yeah, so... Uh, pretty great. Yeah, I wish. They're my favorite. You guys, yeah. Outside and Wax? Holy shit. Yeah. Man, I got to come down to that. Yeah. <laughs> July 13th. Shit, yeah. uh, that's... that's the OT. I think it's a Friday, right? So it's bad luck if you don't come out to the show. Yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> And then there's you guys done a handful of tours. Everything is there something maybe brewing um, for another tour coming up? So stay tuned. In June we do have a tour announcement that we can't really talk about too much right now, but it's going to be sweet, and we're super excited for it. Um, and we are planning on weekend tours. Yeah, we are. We got two weekend tours that, that are that I'm working on right now. So uh, now that I've said that on um, a recording now i have to actually like make it happen so <laughs> <laughs> reminder to yourself yeah, to do it note to mike actually book the tours yeah so two two weekend tours and then a larger yeah a larger tour as well yeah and that one will be in like end of september early october but in june then you can find out about that one awesome so <laughs> on, stay stay tuned for that on the 13th we will be giving out free beer touches for free butt touches where is that oh it's Oh, with the Toledo show? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's always a thing, yeah. Yeah. Well that and that that actually leads me to my my next my next point and I, I, I joked about it a little bit um um while hyping this episode out. But the four members of this band, if you ever see a photo um, and it, they, you guys had beautiful photos done by Snow Fox Photography for herself. She she did a dynamite job on that. I do want to um, apologize real quick because I noticed like the last time that I posted a photo that she took. I'm usually pretty good about it, but I sometimes I forget to like put the photo cred there on the bottom. Yeah, I tend, I unfortunately, I, I, I'm a sucker. I, I end up forgetting that once in a while. I we're try just, to. Yeah, we're just so excited because it's such a great picture. Yeah, that it's hard, you know. Yeah, but I did go back and edit. Yeah, but I, f- I forgot for like a day or two, and then I'm like, oh shoot. It, it, feel, it feels so yeah. bad about it because you just like yeah. you want to give credit where credit is due, but yeah, at the same definitely. time, you, you know. You, it, Human nature, you forget. Yeah. Yeah. But the four members of this band, Mike has a huge, gorgeous red. I want to say, how many inches is that? I want to say like three, four inches. Twenty-five, maybe. I don't know. It's quite a bit. It's, I, I, it's about to its middle of his chest. 
Yeah. And he's about six, about around six foot. So like you kind of measure it from his uh, from his beard. The Jake has a sick police officer from the eighties mustache. First time ever in my life. First time ever in his <laughs> life. Dave kind of has a very nice, clean cut, like blondish, brownish I, beard. I can't compete with Mike. I got to right. do something different. You got to do something. And Brian, I like to call like that kind of like the Abe Lincoln, which is like sideburns and yep. just chin. I, I, it's physically impossible for me to sh- like to grow a mustache. Like <laughs> yeah. I haven't shaved my upper lip in like three years. Actually, Pat has a kind of a sick mustache going on right now. I kind of I kind of like it. And then I, I'm uh, working on my beard, but it, it ends up being, it's getting to the point where I actually have to like, I got to get it trimmed and luckily... At the time of recording, the next the following week, I'm going to go over to a local place. And shout out to Lamoda and uh, Mo out there. He does a great job um, doing that. Cheap plug for them. Um, but um, kind of clean this up because it gets really like, like it flips out on the sides a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like I, I have to kind of tame that down. So give me facial hair tips. Well, Give well, me like what 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 behind it like what do you guys do or how do you do it or you just go eh fuck it whatever. Well, we well, actually use our own beard oil that we sell. So what's in the beard? How did you how did you idea make that? Like how did you make the beard oil? Because I, I so, love I love outside the box ideas for merch, and I saw the beard oil, and I'm like shit, I gotta get that next time. Uh, well, well, first of all, I I want to help the listeners picture the beards a little better because okay. they can only hear us, they can't see right. It. So if Mike could gently rustle his beard against the microphone, okay. let's let's make sure we get this. Here we go. I feel like I don't know if it's picking up. Okay. <laughs> There we go. So yeah. Well, hopefully you got a little taste of Some it. Some ASMR <laughs> action of beard. Eyes and picture the beard on there. Um, <laughs> so we talked earlier about, you know, like not taking everything super serious all the time. Right. And we're trying to come up with different fun ways of having cool merch that's something different but practical at our merch table. And we have a friend um, who runs Spurgeon Beard Oil um, out of Monroe. And he's been doing that for a while on the side. And we, I think we've all had it and used it at some point and really enjoyed it. And I had the idea when we first started the band. We had a lot of like beardcore, like goofy hashtags, right? And a lot of beard companies started follow beard oil companies started following us. And so I was reaching out, trying to see if anybody wanted to do some sort of a collaboration or sponsor us. Um, and it never happened. And then I reached out to our buddy Greg, and he was loved the idea of it. Um, so it was super cool, and he was easy to work with. We went down, and he mixed up a couple batches of different scents, um, and we got to kind of give him input on it and kind of pick out what we wanted. Man Mountain Beard Oil to smell it's, like. It's organic beard oil. I mean, it's all essential oils. Yeah, so it was really good. So we, um, he, you know, let us create the label for it and bottle it all up for us. Um, it's it's been awesome. So we do we do use it kind of embarrassingly. So, but it's you know how we, do we you enjoy use it? it? I'm still I'm still new putting like product because I mean obviously I don't got nothing up top. So uh, like how do you like I'm still trying to like I feel like I'm not doing enough or like I have like I do balms and everything and then comb it in and everything but do you leave it all day is it like a general process like I'm being serious on this like I don't know like I'm still trying to learn myself. <laughs> so I what I do is I just put like one drop in each of my first three fingers and I kind of rub it in and then I, and then I just like rub it in. I you always have a beard. I've had a beard for like 10 years. Outside of this moment. Yeah, outside of right this. Now. Yeah. This is the only time <laughs> that I've never had a beard. And then I just got to rub it in, you know, and it like, you know, and then it kind of like will groom itself, it seems like. Yeah, it moisturizes, you know, tames it a little bit. I think it's good for your like skin, like your face the under, pores. Your, under okay. your beard too. Kind of keeps that nice and, you know, moisturized. It gives a nice uh, odor to it as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> odor. Odor. Um, oh yeah. Do you brush it? Do you do like comb it, or do you just you run the fingers through it? Or is it like I, I brush mine. I have. Okay, to. you blow right. dry. Well, yeah, you have to. <laughs> Mike, oh, Mike literally blow, blow dries his beard, and he point. can you show them? They they can't see it over the podcast, but he has to do this hilarious thing when he eats, where his beard is long enough he has to tuck it into his t shirt. <laughs> Um, maybe we'll get a picture for Instagram. Later. Oh my god, yeah! But it totally fits inside of his teeth. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, it's, otherwise when I eat, it's just like you it's know, just everywhere, dipping it into my food, yeah. basically. I I, I I will say this, and I'm sorry, honey, but this my so my wife is a little bit more bustier than mm-hmm. than than the average woman. So she always says like, I need to have like a special tray. So I don't jump all the food on 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 my boobs. Right. So she's gonna fucking kill me when I when she hears this. I'm sorry, honey. I love you. I adore you. You know this, but I'm just saying what you say. Um, so I feel like something like maybe like a like a some kind of protection, like a mat, uh, like mask or hairnet or whatever. I don't want to say hairnet because that's gross. Yeah. But like the idea. Of- <laughs> 
sorry. I'm sorry, but something along those lines, like something closer to your mouth, like a yeah. like a little like mini high chair or whatever for we'll just your have a beard prayer. that kind of just like elevates itself. That should be our new yeah. merch item is beard bibs. <laughs> yeah. I just have to do the what is this thing? The oh the dab yeah, the, the kids do, that I they do, that, do but then I like use the it to like dab. tuck my beard out of the way so I can eat my burrito or whatever. <laughs> yeah. How how often does it like I'm gonna ask you now a ridiculous beard question? How often do you have shit stuck in that? Oh, oh every day. Every day. Every like, time I like, eat. Uh, there's something. We were eating Taco Bell the other day and he had a beefy five layer burrito and there's just a big glob of cheese <laughs> here. Of course, I don't ever say anything. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> I just. Sit there and like watch, you know. And just, it's just like enjoy yeah. the enjoy I was the very show. aware of it. Yeah. I could feel the weight of the nacho cheese like on my mustache, and then Jake decided to point it out to me. So I just kind of like poked it with my tongue for a while and just made it feel generally uncomfortable. How long has that been going? Uh, a little over two years. When you trim it? Yeah, I actually do trim it up because um, otherwise the ends kind of get like yeah, it gets kind of yeah. How far are you trying to go for it? Are you trying to ZZ top it, or are you trying to just kind of, like, this is the length you want to do? I guess it's probably pretty good right here. I keep thinking about, like, wanting to trim it down further just so it's not, like... Just do what I did. Create, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, there's only a handful of people who can do the mustache. Yeah, and I'm not one of them. <laughs> the other person's name is Mario. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Mario and Burt Reynolds. Uh, it's yeah. about it. to be Burt Reynolds. Yep. Sham. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Just gotta get a Trans Am, man. <laughs> or a big giant white van that says uh, free puppies in it. Yeah, actually, oh, my uh, the lady that does my hair said I should go buy candy on my way home and now I'll to kids. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Your own hairstylist said that. Oh, ouch. Awful. A shout out to Rachel Tanzel, Infinity. Wait, I forgot what it's called. I almost said Infinity Mirror, but no, that's the album. Infinity that's the hair album. Salon, yeah, <laughs> Infinity Hair Salon. That's where you get your hair done. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually the inspiration for our album. That's the inspiration. Yeah. yeah, there was a mirror in the barber shop. So there, was, there's yeah. like two mirrors. So it has the front Infinity back, Mirror. That, yeah, so that's how you see the hair from day. the front and the back. Yeah, and he was like, "Ooh, I look good." I was looking <laughs> in the mirror in Infinity Hair Salon, and I was like, "This makes sense." Whoa. <laughs> album name. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love People it. thought it was a way more exciting story how we got the album name, but that was it. Much like much like I had explained to Mike in the beginning of the podcast before we started recording what the the, the story about Peapod is. Yeah. So it's like it's not it's not exciting. It's right. not I'm not gonna go through it and waste time on this podcast. <laughs> what I will waste time on the podcast is this. First off, thank you so much guys for doing this. This thank was a you, lot of fun. Awesome. Very yeah. excited for the future of Man Mountain. Go ahead, plug all your stuff. If we want to get in touch with Man Mountain, how do we do so? Uh, Google? <laughs> 2018. Okay. Uh, Google it. Just Google us. Google me, baby. We're on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter. We do have a Twitter now, thanks to Brian. He's the only one who understands how Twitter works. I that. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how it works. Yeah, really. but we have one. I think sometimes our label runs it for us. Thank you, John. Yeah. Um, Shout out to John. And um, yeah, we're on uh, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Bandcamp. And tonight we'll be in Toledo. But yes, aka like two or three weeks ago, depending on when this airs. Yes, depending <laughs> depending on when you listen to it, they were in Toledo the day of this recording. Or if you have if you have a DeLorean, you could still come to the show. I mean, tonight. if you have a time traveling yeah. device, yes, you can yeah. go to whenever you want. Yes, you have to listen to Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> <laughs> They're the future of music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of fun, guys. Really yeah. do appreciate it. Anything else you guys want to add? No, oh, huh? long care not for life. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, for my producer, Pat Sheckett, I am Peapod. You are you, and thank you for listening for another great episode of the On the Radar podcast. Oh.